questions that I always forget. My mind is all over the place. <laughs> the Lord God has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ears to hear the Lord. The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. Faith, the nature of faith. The greatest weapon the Christian has that's been given to us is our faith. And every one of you that I'm looking at tonight, you have faith. You have great faith. If you've been born again, you're not looking for faith. You already have faith. Faith for the greatest miracle. The problem is we just don't know it. And if we know it, we don't know how to position ourselves or how to use that faith. Because the enemy keeps accusing us, and I was telling somebody today, the greatest weapon that Satan has against you is condemnation. And that's why the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. Once the accuser of the brethren is cast down, there is freedom. That's what the Bible says. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, therefore is come salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. Because the accuser of the brethren is cast down. And when he accuses you, he accuses you with things that are so real. You can feel it, you can hear it, it's in the natural. And you can't deny it. It's looking at you straight in the eye. But if you buy into the accusation, you lose your faith and God cannot walk anymore. That's why the Bible tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation because you walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you walk after the flesh, you're looking at the things you can see with your eyes, what you're hearing with your ears, and you're responding to that. God says, don't respond to that, respond to my word, and it will always work. Amen? So you have faith, and that's the greatest weapon that you have, and that's what Satan is after in your life. He's after nothing in your life. Doesn't care whether you eat or not, go to sleep or not. That's not his problem. For you, it's a fight of faith. And he's trying to get your faith. It's a fight of faith. So we need to know the nature of faith. In First John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Why? Because if you are born of God, you have faith. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. So there's all, you already have victory. The, because you are born of God and you have faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. What is it? Our faith. You have faith. So you've already overcome the world. Everything that the world is throwing at you. You've already overcome. You don't have to worry about what Satan is throwing at you. Satan's harassment, immorality, hatred, bitterness. These things are of the world. God says you have faith. You've overcome all of those things. You've overcome all of those things. Disappointments, yes. Wants, yes. You have disappointment. That's of the world. But you got faith. And your faith is the victory. It takes you above that. You live above what the enemy is doing in the world. The decay in the world. 
Your faith is over that. Sickness and disease, condemnation included. We are free from that. Because we have been born of God. Now, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, How God has dealt to every one of us the measure of faith. So you have faith. God gave that to you when you got born again. And you have to realize that you got it. You know, the way we see it in the natural, you go around telling everybody, Girl, I got a, I got a Mercedes Benz at home. Sure. I got a Mercedes Benz at home. When you say you were born again, you are a person of faith. I've got faith. That's what you're saying. But you keep driving your Pinto around and people are wondering, hey, you keep talking about having a Mercedes Benz. We never see that. You act like you got Pinto. Don't talk to us about your Mercedes anymore. Because you are not showing us what you've got. So we talk about what we've got, faith. The faith that overcomes the world. That's what God has given to us. And every one of us, we have that faith in God. Now, faith has to have a point of contact. You have faith, but your faith is got to be released for the miracle to take place. You are a believer. You already have faith. And Jesus told us very clearly, all the faith you need is that the grain of mine. That's so little, God. How come I don't have that? Even that? A mustard seed, that's so tiny. So Jesus is saying, if you are a believer, you have faith. Jesus asked his disciples, where is your faith? Why? They were not using it. They bought into fear. They bought into what they are saying. That's called unbelief. You know, but you can't you can go you can't get out of the boat, even though you know and you believe. That's called unbelief, because you know. Where when you don't know, you have doubt. If I tell you to go into a dark room that you have not been, the first thing you say, what's in there? Right? It's just going there. You look, it's dark. What's in there? You need information, right? But if you've been in the room and now it's dark, you have in your mind what's in there. And if I say go into the room, no big deal. But if you've never been there and it's dark, you question, why? What's in there? Tell me what's there. You want to know what's in there. Why is it dark? You got lights in there. You want information, right? You got chairs in there. It's just a plain room. You want information. We already have the information from the Word of God. Now we've got to work. And when you refuse to work based on what God's shown you, that's called unbelief. That's called unbelief. We've got to act according to God's word. But what we need is a point of contact for you to release your faith. We need that point of contact. After the message, we give them opportunity. What? Point of contact to release their faith for them to receive their miracle. So God wants that. So we need that point of contact to release that faith that God's given. So I'll give you an example. You see, Elisha was following Elijah. And God was about to remove, take Elijah from the world, from the earth. And Elisha knew it. And he wanted a double portion, right? Of Elijah, Elijah's uh, power with God. 
Well, and Elijah, Elijah said, well, if you see me when I'm taking off, okay, then you got it. Well, he saw him. How could he tell if he had it or not? No feelings, right? How'd you know? How'd you know? He felt, he felt the power in his body and his teeth and all of that. No, there was nothing happened. He cried, my father, my father. You know, Charis of Israel. But then there was no feeling. How'd you know you got the power? Well, I saw him go, so I got the power. How'd you know that? See, that's the way we relate in faith. How do I release that? But he saw the mantle fall, right? He saw the mantle fall. So he got the mantle. Probably still thinking about Elijah as he walked away from me. And then he got to River Jordan, right? Now he saw what Elijah did, right? Slapped that water with his mantle. So now he's got his points of contact, right? For him to release his faith. Slapping the water does nothing. He's got to come with faith. Amen? And slapping the water because he saw Elijah do that. If the power is on me, that thing is going to split, right? So that was his point of contact to release his faith. And so what did he do? Slapped the water with it and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? What? And the water? Says you got to have your point of contact. You come up with what to do so that God can act. Sometimes it's giving, right? They say, I'm going to release this amount because I have need. That's your point of contact. You release it and you got faith. God saw that. I'm going to get it. If you, ha- you can release all you got, no faith, release, nothing happens. That was in the point of contact, right? You can have that point of contact. Now you guys come up for prayer to be healed. And this guy says to himself, like the woman with the issue of blood. Do you remember a, blood of, a, a point of contact? And she made that herself. That's her job. She had that herself. She had that in her mind. If I touch, well, the faith was already there. But nothing released until she touched. That's the point of contact. That's the point of contact. See, that's where we're missing it. I can believe God all I want that when I pray for the sick, they're going to get well. But I never pray for the sick. No point of contact. Right? So you, you pray to God to give you boldness. Right? <laughs> so that you can say, come here, I'm going to pray for you and you're going to be healed. And then you pray. Right? We, we did that on Sunday. Many of our prayer partners, we did that on Sunday. Right? But you got to go. That's my point of contact. They have your point of contact. When the minister prays for me, I'm going to get well. That's the nature of faith. That's the nature of faith. You got to have your point of contact. You know, many times it's just acting on the word of God. That's your point. You see, God has a way of doing things. I don't think Moses needed a rod. To divide the Red Sea when God was with him. He, God could have divided the Red Sea without his rod, right? But that was something given to Moses so that he can release his faith, his staff. It was just a staff. It belonged to Moses. 
It became the staff of God. Because God took it over. And, and, and they were standing by the sea, Red Sea, and Moses was talking. And God said, stop talking to me. Release your faith. Stretch out that staff. That was his point of contact. Now, if he had stretched out, the staff was already with him. Nothing happened. I'm sure he was moving around with the staff, but nothing was happening. Why? But when he heard from the word of God and he did it, his faith went with that. He could raise the, the staff and nothing would happen because it wasn't mixed with faith. But in his mind, that's the point of contact to release his faith. And he did it and bang, the miracle takes place. So we have to come up with that point of contact so that God, we can release our faith. That's what we need. I'm going to share this scripture. This is so key. And so you can use the same thing. Uh, this is uh, from Acts chapter 14, verse 8. This is about Paul. It says, And in Lystra... A certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb, meaning he had never walked. Never. Never. This man heard Paul speaking. He heard Paul speaking or preaching the gospel. Paul, observing him intently, and you can do that when you're preaching. I've seen that happen. Especially when I'm preaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, usually overseas, and I'm going to be doing it here too. <laughs> but when I'm preaching on the baptism on the Spirit, and I'm telling the people about how to get filled with the Holy Spirit and staring at the crowd, and usually one or two of them, if, any, if you move, they move with their eyes. They follow you all through. They, they are so focused, you can't distract them. And in their mind, they are like, when are you going to be quiet so we can get to this business, you know? Stop talking, we're ready. And once I tell them, now it's time, stand up, they're up. And they come up boldly. It's, yes, it's time for us. And, they look, and, and while they're watching, as I'm still talking, they're following me with their eyes. As soon as I pray with them, I say, now let's... The next thing, boy, they're yelling in tongues because they were ready. It's exactly... Look, look. Look at this scripture here. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. So if he had faith to be healed, Paul must have been preaching the gospel of healing. Hello? He's never met Paul before. How could he be relating to healing if Paul wasn't talking about healing? Paul was preaching the gospel of healing. That Jesus will heal. I think maybe I was in the other place and God raised this person up. And, and the guy is looking, wow, regard. He raised the man from the dead. He's thinking, if he raised the man from the dead, this is nothing for him. And basically, he was thinking, when are you going to talk to me? Okay? The faith was already there, but nothing was happening until the point of contact was given by Paul saying, stand up on your feet. You know that? 
That was the, what he needed. He already had faith. Because he was hearing the word. He was ready to be healed. He was just waiting for his point of contact. What are we going to do? And Paul cut it. And he was looking at him. He says, hey, I got a miracle right here. Just by looking at the man's face. I got a miracle. Read the word. So Paul said, listen, with a loud voice. And the guy knew he's talking to me. Okay? Stand up straight on your feet. And he, not only did he stand, he lived. <laughs> he was ready to go. He was ready to go. And walked. He's never walked before. He was lame from his mother's womb. But he heard the word. He had faith. But nothing was happening until that point of contact. That's your responsibility. To provide that point of contact. And they will seize on that. And release their faith. And let me tell you this. There's never a split second. Between when you release your contact. And the spirit of God hits you. I've learned this years ago. Never a split second. You know, people have different ways. They try to get people to receive the Holy Spirit. And I was baffled by that because I didn't know what was the right way to do it. Because some people say, you raise your hands and just start saying, uh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Or keep worshiping God. And they expect the person to just slowly get into that. And, And nothing wrong with that. They're trying to help them. And uh, then I hear people complaining about why do you tell them to speak after me? That's wrong. Don't tell them to speak in tongues. And I, well, you're right too. So God, what do I do? And I felt God say, tell them to join you. And I told, I told them, I tell you what, the moment you make up your mind, after you've heard the word, the first sound that comes from your mouth will not be from, from you. He's got to be from God. No split second. Just like Peter stepped out of the boat, the water was already solid. That was the point of contact. So as soon as you step out, God takes over. Not a split second. When you act on your point of contact, you don't need anything. Step out of the boat and the water is solid for you. That's the way it is. It's it's called the nature of faith. So I started saying, just join me. Don't hesitate. Because the Bible says, He who puts his hand on the plow, if he hesitates, is not fit. You're not fit for the kingdom. Every time you hesitate, God cannot work with you. He's got to find somebody else. God gives you a word, and you hesitate, he leaves you, gives it to another person. He's got to get his work done. Heaven's agenda has to be done. Don't need anybody. Nobody is as important. He just takes the one who is going to go step out. Who is going to be a fool for God. Amen? And God will take over. That's the important thing here. We need that point of contact. So the man walked. Key thing then is how... To have abiding faith. So you know he's always there. 
you know it's always there. You, we already have faith. Every one of us, every one of them looking at tonight, you are so full of faith. On Sunday when I'm praying and I'm asking the crowd to join me, yeah, because I need your faith. And when we come together in faith, there is nothing we cannot do together. Amen? Because we have the Spirit of God in us. And the Holy Spirit is at work. So we have to have abiding faith. There is the key to having abiding faith, so it's there with you. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that can help you to stay in faith. And He works through the Word. Amen? Through the Word. You hear the Word, you already got faith. Faith comes by hearing. But to have it there, that's the Holy Spirit's work. He's got to be a part of you. He's the one that gives the power. When the Bible says in first, I mean in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll be witnesses for me. What power are we talking about? Natural physical power? No. The power we have, I said, the greatest weapon you have is what? Your faith. When the Holy Spirit comes in by faith, you got power. You have faith. And this power destroys anything in its path that is contrary to God's word. That's what the disciples needed to spread the gospel around the world. The power of the Holy Spirit. But what is it? The power of faith in them coming through the Holy Spirit. So we must never neglect that. Listen, Jude chapter 1 verse 20, just one chapter, 1 verse 20. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. You want to build your faith? Pray in the Spirit. In my book. I wrote in there, I never quite understood why Paul was so powerful. Paul was clear to us. He said, I thank my God that I pray in tongues more than every one of you. And that's written in scripture. So in my mind, there will never be another human being in that, uh, that lived in this world that's prayed more than Paul prayed in tongues. Nobody. And who had the greatest revelation? Paul. He, was, he knew some way in his spirit, he knew that he had prayed in tongues more than everyone else. But he said, in, no, the key thing, this is so important. He said, however, in the church, I would rather speak five words in the language that everybody understands than 10,000 words in tongues. So, if he's not speaking in tongues in church, he's got to be doing it somewhere. And if he's praying in tongues more than everybody else in the church, that's got to take a lot of time. He's not preaching, right? He's got to be speaking in tongues a lot. That's the secret, divine secret. 
That's where he was getting his power. He was getting his battery charged. Okay. For Facebook. Amen. He was getting his battery charged. For Facebook. That's what the Bible, I mean Jude, that's Jude, that's the brother of Jesus. He says, you want to build up your faith? You already have faith. Every one of us have muscles, right? But some muscles are really skinny, I was saying, okay. <laughs> and the other guys are buff, you know. Why? Because they have been exercising, right? But that's what you do when you pray in tongues. You exercise your faith muscles, okay? And if you're not exercising your faith muscle, I can ask you to pull that little stuff. Ah, Pastor, that's very hard. Yeah, I know. You, you haven't been exercising at all. Your faith muscle. Hello. If you don't enjoy it, I'm enjoying myself. Okay. <laughs> this is good. This is good. This is good. That's how you build up yourself. Naked acts, what is wrong with us? Why do you keep praying in English? That's natural. Why don't you step out of the natural and go into the supernatural? Stay there for a while. And when you come back from that place, you will be a little supernatural. Okay? That's the way there. This is how you build up your faith. This is how you build up your faith. You need understanding. I don't want to go into a lot of scriptures on that. But you can read First Corinthians chapter 2. Beginning from verse 9, and you see, if you got revelation, you got faith. Until you have revelation, light, you can't trust God. But when God gives you revelation concerning, I don't care how little it is, if He gives you revelation concerning finances, your faith for finances will hit the roof and you start seeing manifestation. Oh, yes. Whatever He gives you revelation in, there's going to be manifestation. There's going to be some revealing. That's why you talk to him in secret. He rewards you openly. It's all by the Holy Spirit. But you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, how do you do that? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. And somebody says, how do you do that? Pray in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I don't know what I'm saying. I, can't, I don't understand what I'm saying. That says, if you understand what you're saying, you are not praying in, in the spirit. I'm sorry. That's not me. It's in the scriptures. If you understand what you're saying, and you say, Pastor, I felt it, and I was just praying. Yeah, that's inspired prayer. But that's not praying in the Spirit. It's a big difference. Praying in the Spirit means it's a supernatural thing. You just stepped out of the natural into the supernatural. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning from verse 9 all the way down, that's where you get revelation. Because when the Spirit is come, He will bring you into all truth. He'll teach you the Holy Spirit. That's how you build your faith. Once you gain understanding, the Bible, Paul, I mean, Jesus told us this in, first, I mean, in um, Matthew chapter 13. He says, when you understand, then I should heal them. If you understand, then they, you'll turn 
and he has to heal you. That's what he says. And that only comes through the Spirit. Next thing to build up your faith is say what God says. Say what God says. Now, last Wednesday, I don't know if it was, it was last Wednesday, I was saying in a, from Isaiah 58, uh, the, uh, Isaiah was saying, if you honor God's Sabbath, a day where you speak not your own words, but his words. That's what he's saying here. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you meditate in it day and night. And when you do that, that is how your faith is released. That's why the Bible says, then you are able to do all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. Why? Because faith is born out of that. Faith is born out of that. So say what the word says, not your own words, but what God says. That's what we should say. That's what this spirit of faith is. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, I mean, chapter 4, verse 13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, so faith is the spirit, just the spirit of fear. But when you have the spirit of faith, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So what you speak, you speak what God says. And that's where your faith grows. You speak what God says. We learn from what Jesus say, said to us. Now, John chapter 12. I'm going to run real quick and finish this. John chapter 12 from verse 49. It says, For I have, spoke, I have not spoken on my own authority. This is very important. I'm going to stay here a little bit because it's important. It says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command please say the word a command Jesus was speaking based on a command from his father it says I have, sp I have not spoken on my own authority but the father who sent me gave me a command what was the command the command was what he should say And what I should speak. So God's giving us a command. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. We read, but we don't fully get what he's saying. Jesus never said his own words. He only spoke based on the command. If he did something else, he is out of God's command. But Jesus says, you're not hearing my words. What you hear and what you see happening, that's what I see the Father do. I see Him doing, and I'm doing exactly what He says. He does the work. This is where power is. This is where faith is released. It says, He sent me and gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know, can I, please say the word I know. 
I know that his command, in other words, what he's asking me to say is what? Think about it. His command is everlasting life. What he's telling me to speak is everlasting life. So I can't stop speaking those things. I got to keep speaking those things. Because I know I've been with him. What he's commanding me to say is everlasting life. He gives life to everything it touches. But I've got to speak it. If I don't speak it, then I'm not obeying his command. But when I speak it, he gives life. That's what he tells us in John chapter 1. This is the light that lights every man that comes into the world. And he is the word. He is the word in human form. He's the word in human form. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. No more, no less. Don't matter what anyone is saying around me. I don't listen to you guys. I only say what the Father tells me to say. No wonder he was so successful. He came to pattern the way we should live as mankind on the earth and be successful. And I'm still learning. I got to go there. I got to go there. So important. That's the way God created the world. In Genesis, just through His words. Amen? Just through words. He says, the earth was with void and darkness was in the face of the deep without form and void. Once the word starts coming out, order comes in. What was formless becomes formed. What was void is no longer void. My life can be void, but I speak the word. And the void lives. That's what God did in the beginning. We have to learn what Jesus learned from his father. I only speak what I hear from the father. Because I know his command is everlasting life. I stay with that. It's very important. That's the nature of faith. That's the nature of faith. I'm not going to go into this, but you see, I was reading in Ezekiel chapter 37. We've dealt with Ezekiel 36 a lot, but 37. And God took Ezekiel. This is this dry bones. But notice, God says, prophesy to the dry, dry bones. But notice what He does. He doesn't tell him prophesy. And leave him alone. God says, prophesy, saying. And God tells him what to say. Read it. God actually tells him what to say. And God's word, full of prophecy. Concerning my life. Concerning my life. Let, let's read this scripture and we end with this. In Ezekiel 36, 37, beginning from verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then I 
Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. God help us. Okay? We don't want no dry bones. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them. Notice he doesn't leave him alone. He tells him exactly what to say to the bones. And he couldn't say anything different. He said to God, You know, I don't know. And God says, you say those words, but say to them. Tell them what I tell you to say to them. Speak my word. Because I know the words of God, they are everlasting life. They, they give life. They give life. Say to them, oh dry bones. So I will say, oh dry bones. Okay, what next, God? <laughs> Tell me what next to say. And that's the way we prophesy. When we speak God's word, guess what we're doing? We're prophesying. Yes. Amen? Amen? We're prophesying. Whatever is wrong, dry bones, things that are not working, prophesy to them. Speak what God says about it to that situation. Speak to it. That's how we prophesy. That's the real prophecy. And that's how to prophesy in the spirit. It says, God took me in the spirit. And I saw those things. Prophesy. Say to the dry bones. And then he started, he says, Oh, dry bones, hear the words of the Lord. Tossel the Lord God to these, dry, to these bones. Surely I will. He says, telling the bones what they needed to hear. Amen. I'll put sin on you. I'll put some flesh on you. I'll put some blood on you. And you're going to be... Um, and he said what God said. And guess what? Those things began to happen. Stand up with me. I'm not going to hold you more. It's natural for us to want to speak what we see and what we know. And we don't want... Uh, I just got to say what I feel. I'm going to say it as it is. Please don't say it. <laughs> okay? Because there is truth, there is the facts, and there is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. Amen? So we'll, can we just raise our hands tonight? Because I really feel that God is giving you that same spirit of faith. It's the right day in you right now. You got that same spirit of faith in you. And you can use your faith. And God will never disappoint. Remember, there is never a split second between when you step out of the boat and the water is solid to hold your weight. Not a split second. But when you doubt, you sink. At the moment you doubt, that's when you begin to sink. Because you've taken, out, taken off your eyes from the word. That was... The word come, that was his point of contact. He acted on it, and the water was solid. But when he took his eyes from the word come, he began to sink. God, I don't want to sink. 
I don't want to think based on what I see with my eyes. I want to thank you, God, for what you've given to us through your word. Father, I thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of your word. Your word says the entrance into your word gives light. And that light is the light of life. It's everlasting life. And we're thankful to you tonight. Help us to walk in faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. God bless you. We're dismissed.